Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 378 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, not only ask you to agree with me, I'm asking you to hear me out. First and foremost, I want to appreciate everyone that allowed me to go on vacation. Uh, it was just a week, but you know what vacations do? Especially when you detach from things, you know, when you're detaching from one life and pretty much placing yourself in a spot where you're forcing yourself to leave behind what you're doing only for obviously a certain period of time because it's vacation. But what vacation does is it shows you, it kind of puts a spotlight on what you've been doing and what you spend your time on, because obviously you're not spending your time on that anymore. I didn't realize how much time I spent on this podcast until I took a vacation. You know, now obviously I didn't go anywhere extravagant. I didn't go to like no beach or anything. I just pretty much detached. I detached from the podcast, detached from work, and it it, it was crazy just how long the days went. Not saying I was bored, but how long the days went because usually I fill my day with the podcast and the fact that I was able to take a break, it definitely, it definitely re-energized my batteries or recharged my batteries. And I appreciate you guys that I still did some things on Instagram and TikTok. So definitely follow if you don't follow the socials. Link in the description below. But I'm back. I'm ready to go. Better than ever. And yeah, appreciate you guys for riding out the, the the vacation with me so let's start on thursday night football we saw the bears and we saw the panthers the bears obviously beat the panthers 16 to 13 and we saw two teams that are in the same exact spot but the feeling towards the teams or the feeling around the teams are completely different And that that can happen from time to time, you know, teams that can be great or teams can have similar records or slightly different records. But the feelings around the teams could be the same. It could be different. When you look at the situation that's going on with Carolina compared to the situation that's going on with Chicago, the feeling is much different. Let's start with Carolina because they're obviously the losers in the situation. And they have one of the worst record, if not the worst record in football at one and eight. And when I say there's disappointment there, obviously, because when you have the number one overall pick and you get Bryce Young, you you hope you don't expect you hope that. To be the number one overall pick. It takes your team to exponential heights quickly. We talk about being a a, a first-round pick or a lottery pick and the benefits that that that, that brings. And one benefit that we talk about a lot is it allows you multiple chances that maybe someone in the later round wouldn't get. We talk about Baker Mayfield a lot, and we talk about Johnny Menzel. Being a first-round pick, being a top pick, gives you that type of 
leeway and gives you that type of grace that allows you to continue to mess up and continue to get second chances. I say this all the time with Baker Mayfield. And no, I don't think Baker Mayfield is terrible, but I don't think that he is on this on the level of a first round pick. I'll say this. If Baker Mayfield was a fifth round pick or a fourth round pick or, or a sixth round pick, he would not have nearly the same amount of chances or the same amount of opportunities to redeem himself as much as he's had because he was a number one overall pick. Baker Mayfield has never he's had a, he had a good season, but he's never played to the number one pick status, you know. Being a first-round pick or being a top pick in the NFL gives you opportunities and gives you chances, let's say, that maybe someone in a later round wouldn't get. However, I guess a negative side to that is when you are a top-round pick, or, or let's just speak about Bryce Young, when you are a number one overall pick, you're expected to take the organization to exponential heights and quickly. You're expected to be a game changer from day one. And that window of, oh, he's a rookie, let him, let him grow, let him develop, let him learn. That window and that, that time frame is a lot shorter with the number one overall pick because the patience is not there. You don't get that patience with a number one overall pick. The issue is, and the problem is with Carolina is Bryce Young needs that. And and they're trying to give it to him. But then, of course, you also have in the back of your mind, well, that's the number one overall pick. And it does not help that the number two overall pick or the second quarterback to come off the board, which is C.J. Stroud, is having a historic year as a rookie. But what I can say is there needs to be a level of patience that a number one pick usually doesn't get. And what I mean patience, because I know I just said that a number one pick usually has more opportunities to redeem himself if he messes up. And I'm not talking about off the field. I'm literally talking about on the field. If you're not playing well, you have multiple chances because you're a number one overall pick or you're a first-round pick. Bryce Young, may it's very possible that Bryce Young, when we look three, four, five years from now, can be one of a, a top-tier quarterback. He is furthest from a top-tier quarterback right now. And while you have some people that are saying, give it patience, you have some people that are also saying, hey, but he's a number one overall pick. There shouldn't be that much patience with a number one overall pick because not only are you a number one overall pick, meaning that you're looked at as the best player in the draft, but the person that you were kind of butting against in the draft at C.J. Strout is going crazy in Houston. There is some hope and there is some anticipation of the future with Carolina because when you when you hear people talk and hear analysts talk, when you hear reporters talk, 
while yes, there is a level of frustration that he hasn't looked good, there also is a level of patience. And you can see the framework of a good team in Carolina. Maybe Frank Reich, who is the head coach, isn't the isn't the coach for this team, but you can see the framework. You can see a really good defense with this Carolina Panthers. You can see a good um good wide receiver when when we talk about Adam Thielen and we talk about uh, Hayden Hurst at the tight end. You can see a good running game with Miles Sanders, even though he hasn't really been good after getting that contract. But I also think it's because of how he's being used in Shuba Hubbard. You can see the frameworks of a really good team with the Carolina Panthers. What need what's needed more than anything right now is just patience. And that's another thing that isn't really accepted in sports. And I'll talk about that towards the end when we talk about end of careers, right? The one thing that is always on the back of people's minds, but it's never really affected until it's affected, is sports keeps going. And now more than ever, because talent is so vast and you look up and it doesn't matter. You you look at a lot of rookies in the NFL and the NBA and sports and that development window isn't as isn't as wide as it used to be. Because they're just coming in so well, so good, you know. They're they're the talent gap isn't as far as when we talk about rookies and veterans these days. And sports just keeps going. That's why when you hear a lot of people say, "Hey, <laughs> the game will be here with or without you," that is true. And. Patience, you're not really allowed to have that much patience, even though it's needed. You're not able to have that much patience because the game keeps going. And year after year after year, a new batch of players that can essentially affect the game is coming in. So you need to be on your P's and Q's. And with Carolina, because you traded, you know, up, to get Bryce Young, you don't have the number one overall pick, even though you might have the record to get the number one overall pick. But there isn't a feeling, there shouldn't be a feeling of panic with Carolina. There needs, there should be a feeling of patience. There should be a feeling of, we possibly, right now it doesn't look like it, but we possibly have our answer at the quarterback position. We possibly just need maybe another uh, another wide receiver more more skilled positions but we may have our option we just need patience the same thing can't be said for chicago the winning team on thursday night i said going into this episode that there are two different fan bases and two different organizations that feel completely different when we talk about Chicago there ha- mm. 
There's a lot of uncertainty with Chicago, just like there's a lot of uncertainty with Carolina. But the future looks much different for both organizations. Carolina doesn't have a history of winning, right? But it has a history of you can kind of tell they know what they're doing. And what they're doing may possibly not ultimately work, but you know what direction they're going in, whether they have Ron Rivera, whether they have Cam Newton, whether they had Sam Darnold. They tried that, didn't work. They tried Baker Mayfield, didn't work. They tried P.J. Walker, didn't work. But they're trying things. And, And you can tell the direction that they're trying to go is forward. With the Bears... At least, at least in recent history, they have not had a sense of any type of direction. And as you look today, I think they have the top. They have the number one overall pick and like number three or five or something like that. And there shouldn't be, there's not a level of calmness in the Chicago Bears organization there's not a level of okay well we have the number one overall pick right now and we have I think the third or fifth number one or number or pick we're gonna be okay no look at look at just the landscape of Chicago's team right now you have a quarterback in Tyson Bajant who is a D2 quarterback who nobody thought he would be playing right now you also have you have the frameworks of a good team. You just traded for Montez Sweat. You have DJ Moore. You have uh, Cole Komet. You have Darnell Mooney. You have St. Brown. You have the framework of a good team. But you have shown from time and time and time, even now, that you will con- you will find a way to mess it up. You will find a way to whether have a good team, just not have a good coach, or have a good team, just not have the good quarterback, or have a good offense, not have a good defense, or how it's historically been, have a good defense, don't don't have a good offense. They will find they have found a way to mess it up year after year after year. That is Chicago. And now you're sitting in a situation where you have a, a, a generational type player that could possibly come in from the draft in Caleb Williams. You also have a generational type wide receiver that could possibly come into the draft at Marvin Harrison Jr. Or the second. But then what do you do with Justin Fields? And I will sit here and, and I've said this on this podcast before. Justin Fields has regressed, yes. I feel that there have been flashes of greatness from Justin Fields, but overall, Justin Fields has regressed from what he looked like in those flashes and what I thought he would be, especially where he was drafted at. But I can also admit, and I can also attest to the fact that Chicago has been horrible at, helping him in Justin Fields develop. And they've also been horrible at 
surrounding him with the pieces that is needed to be successful. I say this all the time. It don't I, I don't care who you put on that in that organization. And that's just, that's that's how football goes. You can have the greatest quarterback of all time. Tom Brady can be a Chicago Bear, but if you don't have if the offensive line isn't good, if he doesn't have the necessary weapons to thrive, if he doesn't have the coaching staff to get the best out of him, he won't be the best quarterback or the best player of all time. He would be just Tom Brady. So while, yes, I do think that Justin Fields has regressed, I also think that the organization has been piss poor at helping him develop, which brings on the situation of what do you do with Caleb Williams if you have an opportunity to draft Caleb Williams? Do you give up on Justin Fields, who, like we've said, has shown flashes, but ultimately has regressed? A lot of his regression has been due to the organization. Or do you start over with Caleb Williams, who a lot of people consider is a once in a generational talent? There's a lot of question marks, but a lot of those answers to the question marks can be negative situations for the Chicago Bears. Like I said, two different organizations and two different feelings for these organizations. That, of course, is Carolina and Chicago. I, I don't feel... Thursday night football was a bad, a bad showing of the NFL, obviously. You have two teams that are combined at this moment that's combined four and what, 15. It, that doesn't show the best of the NFL, but it, it did show what we thought we would see from this from both of these teams you have a team that is trying to go to a or trying to get to a direction but just needs time to develop and a team that looks like they're invested in developing their player that's another thing chicago has never looked like it's interested in developing Justin Fields. The the only time they've looked like they've been interested in developing him is when they drafted him and getting DJ Moore. That's been it. I understand the Chase Claypool thing didn't work, but they haven't. And now I think about it. When's the last time you heard of Chase Clay? Chase Claypool. Jesus. Um, Chicago has never shown the want to to develop Justin Fields. Carolina seems like. The whole organization is is their goal is to develop Bryce Young. And I think that is the overarching theme of Thursday Night Football or what it was for Thursday Night Football and the overarching feeling you got watching this team. It's like you lost a team that knows what they're trying to do, just understands that they can't get there yet because the quarterback isn't ready. Compared to a team, ironically, the team that won doesn't feel like they know exactly what they're trying to do at all. And I don't want to 
poop on their parade because obviously they did win in a game that only saw one offensive touchdown and two total touchdowns. It. Mm. But hey, shouts out to the Bears for beating the Carolina Panthers 16-13 on Thursday Night Football. Sticking with football, I want to give my, because we're at the halfway point of the season, and I'm going to give my Week 10 predictions, and I'm also going to give my top 10 teams and why I placed them where I placed them in this episode. And with the season being halfway through, you know what a team is. There's, there's, it's very rare. You're past the trade deadline, so it's very rare that teams are going to change the fabric of their approach halfway through the season. Actually, a little more than halfway through the season. You know the team that you're playing. These teams are now embedded in their cultures, and these teams know what they are. So. With that, let me let me first get the prediction week ten predictions out the way first before I give my top ten uh, list. At first, you have the game in Germany, I believe it is the Colts at Patriots. And this game is hard to predict because of the quarterback position. Obviously, I think Gardner Minshew is going to play for the Colts. And, of course, you have uh, Matt Jones, who I don't think has been great at all this year. I'm going to go with the Colts just because I don't like what I'm seeing out of the Patriots. I don't like what I'm hearing out of the Patriots. looks like J.C. Jackson isn't going to play first. You know what's crazy? How different we look at J.C. Jackson now ever since that trade from the Patriots to the Chargers ever since then he's just been downhill but I'm gonna go with the Colts beating the Patriots in Germany I think um this another thing this is actually one of the best one of the best weeks we have seen in a while in in football you have so many compelling matchups speaking of you have the Browns at Ravens. You have, to, I think, the top two defenses going against each other. You have Lamar Jackson. You have Deshaun Watson, even though Deshaun Watson hasn't looked like the Deshaun Watson of old. And that's kind of why I'm going to give the... Hmm. Here's the thing. Let me first say shouts out to the AFC West. If you look, every single team in the AFC West, if the playoffs started today, every single team would make it in the AFC West, which to me is, that's why I said the AFC West is the best division in football. And I'm also shocked about with the Steelers being as poor defensively as they are, or offensively, I'm sorry, to be what second or third in the division is crazy so with this Browns and Ravens game it's very hard to beat an opponent twice especially a divisional opponent and 
The Ravens have, I think, the toughest strength of schedule moving forward, starting with this week, because they have Sunday, they play, of course, the Browns, and then they have to go on Thursday and play the red-hot Bengals. This game, to me, is going to come down to the quarterbacks. Now, I know that's easier. I mean, that's obvious. But these are the top two defenses in football. And I think that it's going to be which quarterback is able to find the seams or find the holes that can be exploited because there aren't going to be many. And... I think that Lamar Jackson, I don't think, Lamar Jackson is playing much better than Deshaun Watson right now. Deshaun Watson, we're still waiting for him to get close to the Deshaun Watson that we saw in Houston. And on top of that, the Ravens can beat you in multiple ways. And because of the Nick Chubb injury, the Browns really can't. So because of that, I'm going to go with the Ravens beating the Browns. The the one of the another reason why I think this is hard is because teams understand. I understand it's a divisional matchup, okay? But teams understand the landscape of the league. And teams understand that right now the Ravens are one of the best teams in football and then you're about to go up against another team that is red hot and we saw the capabilities of their team in the Bengals on Thursday. And because of that, teams sometimes overlooks other teams. But this is a divisional matchup. I'm going to go with the Ravens beating the Browns. Titans at Bengals. This game, I think, is going to be upset of the week because T. Higgins has confirmed to not be playing. Lamar or Jamar Chase, he is hurt with a back injury or a hip injury, I think. Lower back injury. And the te- the Texans are writing a incredible game from C.J. Stroud. I think he had the most passing yards from a rookie in NBA his or NFL history for one game. I think it was like four hundred and seventy. I think that because you're not going to see a one hundred percent Jamar Chase, because you're not going to see T. Higgins, and I-, I do like how the Texans are playing. I think the Texans are going to beat the Bengals. I just I, I feel that is what's going to happen. So I have the Bengals beating, or I have the Texans being the Bengals because you're not playing a 100% Bengals. You have the 49ers at Jaguars. Now, I'll give a little sneak peek, a little spoiler alert. The Jaguars have been one of the best teams in football that we don't really discuss. And they are going to land on my top 10. I'm not going to say where yet, but they are going to land on my top 10. You're going up against a team in the 49ers that it feels more desperate for them than anything. I mean, they're coming. Yes, they are coming off the bye week. But before the bye week, they're coming off a right now. They're on a three game losing streak. And. You don't want to continue to lose your grip of not only the NFC West, but of the NFC in general. And you don't want to find yourself on a four-game losing streak. I understand that you have Brock Purdy, and you don't under you don't know the Brock Purdy you're going to get if the defense doesn't come to play. But again, 
I think that this game is much more important for the 49ers. And because of that, I have the 49ers beating the Jaguars. Uh, I, I just don't – I can't imagine a team that a lot of people pick to go to the Super Bowl to be on a four-game losing streak. So I have the 49ers winning that. Saints at Vikings. Shouts out to Joshua Dobbs for coming up clutch, clutch last week. But I just think that the Saints is a better team, even though they do struggle mightily offensively. I think the Saints are going to beat the Vikings, especially when we talk about defensively. Uh, the, the Saints are just better than the Vikings, even though the Vikings have been better defensively this year. Shouts out to Brian Flores. I got the, I got the Saints beating the Vikings. Uh, you got Green Bay at Steelers. The Steelers have been riding this defensive wave, and I don't like what I've seen offensively from the Packers this entire season. Outside, of, actually, no, that's a lie. Outside of maybe week one or two, the Packers have not looked good at all offensively, especially when we talk about the elevation or lack thereof, the elevation from Jordan Love. And while the Steelers' offense still isn't that good and they're dealing with a George Pickens in-house situation, I think that the Steelers' defense can do enough to put – the Steelers offense in a best and a good position to win so I'm gonna go with the Steelers beating the Packers and the Steelers are at home yeah I got the Steelers being the Packers Titans at Buff at Buccaneers well Will Levis um I I think this is gonna be more about Derrick Henry uh, and this defense for the Titans I don't like the but uh, the Bucks. They, can, you know what? No, I'm gonna go with the Bucks to win. I think the Bucks are at home. I don't really trust Will Levis yet, even though he did have a really incredible game. I don't, I don't really trust Will Levis yet, and I don't, I definitely don't trust Baker Mayfield. But you're playing at home, you know. I, I got the Bucks. I think that's a toss-up game. It really depends on how Derrick Henry's gonna 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 play but i have the bucks beating the titans falcons at cardinals both of these teams ain't good I, for some reason they're the falcons aren't really using b john robinson that much i know i think arthur smith tried to give a long explanation but it, it's it just made him look dumber than it did before trying to figure out why he's not using b john robinson uh but the cardinals are bad Ooh, but Kyler Murray is supposed to be coming back. I'm going to go with the Falcons. <laughs> I mean, Kyler Murray, this is his first game back from, what, ACL. To, I, just, I just, I don't know how he's going to look. Now, obviously, he is the best player in this game, but I got the Falcons beating him. I think it's just going to take a little bit of time. Lions at Chargers. I think that. How do I? You're gonna know if the Chargers is a playoff team by this game. I think if they lose this game, they are not a playoff team because the Chargers, quiet as is kept, this is the litmus test for the Chargers. You're going up against one of the best teams in the NFC. You're going against one of the best teams in football in the Lions. 
the Chargers are you're going to to tell to know this is a litmus test game for the Chargers. Squad is kept most of the litmus test games that the Chargers have played this year against the Dolphins, against the Chiefs. They've lost. They also lost multiple games that they shouldn't have lost. If you can't beat the Lions at home, then you should not consider yourself a playoff team. And I'm not saying that to say like disrespect the Lions, but this is yet another game where you're going up against a really good opponent and you want to look good. If you don't, we'll see. But I have the Lions beating them. I just think the Chargers defense has been terrible for for. Now, their secondary has been terrible. Their pass rush has been okay. It's been better than their secondary, but their secondary is terrible. Uh, I have the Lions winning. I think the Lions are a better team. The Chargers just continue to get them, get get in their way, get, their, get in their own way. I have the Chargers losing. I have the Lions beating the Chargers. Giants at Cowboys. Cowboys just lost to the Eagles in very – Cowboys like way I think that the Giants I don't even know who the starting the quarterback is it's gonna be I, I think the I got the Cowboys winning very easily uh against the Giants I think the, the Giants just are a bad situation right now especially with their quarterback yeah I got the Chargers winning or I mean I'm sorry I got the Cowboys winning commanders at Seahawks I think that this is a sneaky important game for the Seahawks even though I do think the Seahawks won last week no they lost the Seahawks got destroyed by the Ravens uh I think that you have I think you're still number one in the AFC or NFC West you want to remain that way and while yes you're going up against a okay now defense for the commanders and they have a really good offense outside of their offensive line is terrible. Uh, I think the Seahawks are going to win. I think the Seahawks understand. I think they're the better team. I think they understand that this is a very important game, even though the opponent might not be that important, that good as the commanders. This game is important, especially moving forward when we talk about standings and rankings and stuff like that. So I have the Seahawks. Je- Ooh, Monday or Sunday night football, Jets at Raiders. I have the Raiders. Yo, Zach Wilson's not good. And it's so bad that the person that has pretty much been his cheerleader in Robert Sala has even said, hey, I, I have nothing. When when asked why Zach Wilson is still the starting quarterback. So both both situations are pretty bad. That is the Jets and the Raiders. I have the Raiders beating the Jets on Sunday Night Football and Monday Night Football. You have the Broncos at Bills. I have the Bills. The Broncos just aren't that good of a team. And the Bills are better than the Broncos. So those are my predictions. Um, Let me know what you guys think. Let me know who you have winning, who you have losing. I'm very interested in finding out. So let me know. Speaking of finding out, let's get to it. Let's get to my top 10 teams right now in the NFL. Now, I did find it a lot harder to rank the bottom of the list in the top because there's a lot of teams that definitely could find themselves and you can make an argument that should be on this list that aren't. For instance, 
the Seahawks didn't make my list, but I think the Seahawks are still a really good team. And I think, you know, it did show me a lot, them losing to the Ravens the way that they did on Sunday. But I do think that the Seahawks are a good team. Uh, What's another team that didn't make my list? Um, The... The the um, Chargers obviously didn't make my list because they just they they're four and four. They have not looked good. They have not looked anywhere close to how good they I projected them to be coming in. So it it did it was a difficult. The Browns the Browns didn't make my list because I think I'm we're still waiting for the offense to catch up to the defense. We're still waiting for that Deshaun Watson to come back. And and if he does come back, then this team, the Browns, is a clear-cut Super Bowl caliber team. But we're just waiting for the offense to catch up to the to the defense as far as, as good, how good they've been. So those teams, and, and there are obviously multiple, multiple that could have made it, but those teams are teams that didn't make my top 10. Let me start at number 10. And I have the Detroit Lions. I know that it's very hard to look at the Detroit Lions because I think the last time you saw them, they were getting their head blown in by the by the Ravens. But this team is a good team. I think it is a clear cut, easy, and I think it's pretty much mathematically impossible to lose at this point. The, the 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 Lions are going to win the a- NFC North. First time in a while. And if we take away and take, take, just put the blinders on as far as what we saw against the Ravens game, this Lions team is a Super Bowl caliber team. This, every, every, all the components of a Super Bowl caliber team that we've seen throughout the last few years, the Lions have, whether that's an explosive offense, a really good defense, a really good coach. They have all of it. Um, it's just the, and the reason why I'm putting them at 10 is because I need to see more of that, and I need to see that against maybe higher caliber, even though they did beat the Chiefs not, uh, the first first game of the season. I just need to see that more, and I want to see what they look like in the playoffs. But right now, I have them at 10. And I also have them at 10 because of Jared Goff. I still think Jared Goff is good. I, I trust Jared Goff, but I there are quarterbacks on this list that I trust more than Jared Goff. Now, again, I'm not saying he's bad, and he has ultimately beat maybe a, a quarterback or two on this list, but... It's it's I just need to see it more. I'm not saying Jared Goff is bad to any stretch for any at any stretch of the imagination, but what I'm saying is I trust more quarter or I trust quarterbacks more than him. But the Lions are a Super Bowl caliber team and I have them at number ten. At number nine I have the Buffalo Bills. I think going into this season. I'm not going to speak for anybody else. I'm going to speak for myself. Going into the season, I may have overestimated the Bills. And I think the Bills is a perfect example of why Super Bowl windows close and how they close. Because they close differently for different organizations. Some organizations, their Super Bowl window closes due to injuries, i.e. the Jets. I think the Jets were a Super Bowl caliber team until, of course, Aaron Rodgers went out. 
I think when I look when I looked at the bills, when I look at the bills, I put too much on their talented names. I put too much on Josh Allen. I put too much on Stephon Diggs. I put too much on Avon Miller, on Shadavius White when he was playing, on Poyer, on their skill positions. And when I say put too much, I'm meaning I'm putting too much stock into that. And I'm not looking enough at the holes that they have, even with those skill positions. I'm not looking at the fact that for the longest they have struggled, even with Von Miller, because Von Miller was hurt, but they have struggled with the pass rush. They've struggled getting off the field on third downs. They've struggled with some coaching decisions. And when we talk about sheer talent, right, when we talk about sheer talent, the Buffalo Bills is obviously a Super Bowl caliber team. But the Buffalo Bills is also a perfect example that sheer talent doesn't win you games. Sheer talent doesn't ultimately scoot you into a Super Bowl talk. Sheer talent gets you to a certain spot, but you need those holes can't be as wide. And, and what I'm saying is every team has holes. Spoiler alert. No, you know what it is? Margin of errors. Spoiler alert, the Chiefs are on my top ten. They're 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 a lot higher than the than the Bills are. Why? Because their margin of error is a lot wider than the Bills margin of error. Because you have Patrick Mahomes and you have the defense playing probably the best version defensively of the or the this Chiefs defense is the best defense that Patrick Mahomes has had along with Andy Reid and everything. Yes, th there's a huge question mark with the Chiefs when we talk about their wide receiver core, but their margin of error is a lot wider because of Patrick Mahomes and because of, you know, that defense. Well, the Bills' margin of error is a lot smaller because while, yes, talent-wise, Josh Allen is a top-tier quarterback, he also has a turnover problem. And while, yes, you have Stephon Diggs, who is considered one of the best wide receivers in football, the rest of the wide receiver core it leaves a, a lot to be desired. And while, yes, the defense should be considered a, a top-tier defense, they continue to lose people. Like I said, you lost Milano. You lost Tredavious White. And the pieces that you do have, it just they're, they're not good enough to fill the holes. So... That's just a long-winded out answer to say a long-winded out. A long-winded answer to say that while yes, the Bills are good, I I can't put them higher. Why let me say this. And the last thing I'll say about the Bills, talent-wise, they should be higher than 9. But I can't put them any higher than 9 because of what they've displayed on a football field from week to week and the fact of their talent, their margin of error is a lot smaller because of the injuries and just because of what we've seen them put out. So I have the Bills at number nine. At number eight, I have the 49ers. Now, a lot of things you can say about the 49ers you just said about the Bills, but the difference is that defense. That defense is much more impactful than 
I'll say the Bills offense. Now, yes, we do still have question marks about Brock Purdy and can he elevate his game enough to lead this team to heights that they are good enough to reach, obviously, as a Super Bowl. But everywhere else they have the they have the both Samuels, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle. They have a vaunted defense when we talk about Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, Armstead. They have it all. It's the Kyle Shanahan. It's really just on Brock Purdy. And as we've seen, when we talk about margin of errors, the the 49ers have a large mar- margin of error because of just how talented that team is. So, yes, I need to see we need to see more out of Brock Purdy, which is honestly why I have them at 8, but as a whole, their team sh- is a should be a lot better than number eight. But at number eight, I have the 49ers. <clears throat> at number seven, I have the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys, like I said earlier, they did lose to the Eagles. But this is probably one of the first times where I don't put the loss on Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott arguably was the best player on the field. The issue is... you. Dallas has to overcome the moments, has to overcome the getting to the red zone multiple times and having Dak Prescott run out of bounds for a two-point conversion or the clock management that yet again bit them in the bud or throwing the ball and the, the tight end is just a yard or just inches short of being a first down. So now it's turnovers on downs. It's they need they need those they need to overcome those moments. And as we've seen, almost every single time the Dallas loses, it's because of those moments. The Dallas is good enough to be most of the in fact, all of these teams on my list are Super Bowl caliber teams. Or good enough, or I wouldn't be shocked, let me say that, if they were in the Super Bowl. I just need Dallas to clean up those moments, which they have not been able to do for years, which is honestly why I have them at number seven. So Dallas have seven. I talked about the um, I talked when I when I gave my uh, predictions for week 10, I said that the that the Jaguars were going to be on this list and I have the Jaguars at number six. The Jaguars have one. <laughs> Literally one problem. Now, that problem is a huge problem, but they have one problem, and that is their turnovers. Dallas, I mean, the Jaguars turn the ball over way too much, which has ultimately lost. I mean, they only lost two games, but put them in situations that obviously they shouldn't be in. But outside of that, Quadis has kept. Trevor Lawrence has been much better since or this season the running game with Travis Etienne has been great the defense has been great even though Zay Jones has been out but Christian Kirk has been great this team this Jaguars team is one of the best kept secrets in football right now and this team shockingly can go and beat anybody that's how good they've been now again they need to work on their turnovers. If they if they just stop turning the ball over, they would be much better than sixth. But I have the Jaguars at six. I have the Dolphins at number five. I have to respect 
that they are pro, one of the most prolific offenses we've seen. I have to respect the fact that while, yes, they have struggled against top-tier opponents and opponents with a winning record, I think they're 0-3 uh, against opponents with winning records, they are good enough. to. It's kind of like a basketball team, man, like the Golden State Warriors, that when they flip a switch – it's over. Not just the Golden State Warriors. Any team. When they flip that switch and they're firing on all cylinders, it is a wrap. And that is the Dolphins. I do think that they need to be better at probably pass protection and possibly rushing the quarterback, even though they have been good at times. But I have to – and the reason why they're not, at, they're not higher is because, of course – their 0-3, I believe, record against uh, opponents above 500. But I have to respect that. The Dolphins is the closest thing to a basketball team on on the field that we, uh, we have in the NFL as far as how quickly and how prolifically they can put up points. So I have the Dolphins at number five. And number four, I have the Bengals. Now, I know, I know. I was one of the people, I even put a video out saying that they should bench Joe Burrow. Now, at the time, I will defend myself. At the time, Joe Burrow was playing terrible. And Joe Burrow was the biggest issue because of his health, was the biggest issue and the biggest thing holding or the the reason that the Bengals were not playing well. Joe Burrow was back, Joe Burrow is perfectly healthy, and Joe Burrow has shown us why he is one of the best quarterbacks in football. And the Bengals, this is this is also a, a team that probably, this is probably the best defense that Joe Burrow has had as well. Now, yes, the, the injuries to T. Higgins and Jamal Chase is concerning at times, obviously, but... The Bengals, when they're firing on all cylinders, as we saw a couple or last week, they, yeah, <laughs> they are one of the most explosive teams in football. So I have to, I have the Bengals at number four. At number three, I have the Kansas City Chiefs. Again, we know the issues. The issues is obviously the offensive line. <laughs> I'm joking. The issues with the Kansas City Chiefs is obviously their wide receivers and which wide receivers are going to step up outside of Travis Kelsey, who, while Travis Kelsey is still good, he is obviously getting up there in age and those hits are starting to pile up. So he isn't as explosive as he's been, but Travis Kelsey is still good. Well, you need a... Number two, you need a second option. As great as Patrick Mahomes is, you need a wide receiver to trust. And I think Rice might be, I think it's Rashad Rice, he might be the one. But that's still, we still need to figure that out. We still don't know. So that's the only issue with this Kansas City Chiefs team. And their offensive line isn't that good. But it's, when you have Patrick Mahomes and he's still Patrick Mahomes, then that, that's okay. That's And that's honestly the biggest reason why I have them at number three is because, again, you have Patrick Mahomes, you have the, the big tree, trio, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Andy Reid, and this is the best defense. This is one of the best defenses in football. 
And we haven't been able to say that about a Patrick Mahomes-led team. So I have the Chiefs at three. At number two, I have the Eagles. Now, I know a lot of people are putting them at number one, especially after them beating the Cowboys. And what I will say about all these teams, this isn't just a, a shot at the Eagles. All these teams have holes and have If they were to lose, I would understand why. Like the Lions, they're they're still young and their offense can sputter at times. The Bills, the turnovers can get can get dicey. Um, the 49ers, Brock Purdy wasn't able to elevate his game. The Cowboys, time management and poor red zone efficiency. Um, the Jaguars, turnovers. Dolphins, they still need to beat a team above 500. Uh, the Bengals, injuries, and you're you're asking a lot from Joe Burrow, even though he's good. Defensive, I mean, the offensive line still isn't the best, and you're asking a lot from one player, even though the defense is good. But if their defense doesn't come to play, you're, you know. Kansas City Chiefs, the wide receivers. The Eagles, they're good, but they just have not looked they have not looked as dominant as they looked a year before. And Jalen Hurts is injured. He does have an, a knee injury, even though he's still playing. And they've only lost one game this season. But Jalen Hurts does not look anywhere close to the Jalen Hurts that we've seen. Um, now, again, I, a lot of people say that and fail to mention that the schedule is tougher this year than last year and obviously they have two they have a new offensive coordinator and a new defensive coordinator so that's going to take some time but even in that even with them not looking as good especially um especially defensively they're what eight and one nine and one like they're still good so i have the eagles at number two and number one i have the ravens now the ravens i know Going into this year, I, I even put a video out. I predicted that the Ravens not only were going to win a Super Bowl, but Lamar Jackson was going to win the MVP. As we sit here today, the Ravens are favored to at least make it to the Super Bowl, and Lamar Jackson is leading the league in completion percentage and leading as least in vote getting in MVP. Or he is the favorite to win MVP, his second MVP. The Ravens can beat you in multiple ways like like most teams but well not most teams the Ravens can beat you in multiple ways they can they can of course ground and pound run with Gus Edwards and Lamar Jackson and like uh, Martin they can run the hell out the ball they can also they're starting you're starting to get a familiar the Wide receivers and Lamar Jackson are starting to get a familiarity. So Nelson Aguilar is starting to play a little better. Rashad Bateman is starting to play better. Odell Beckham Jr., he just got his first touchdown on his birthday last week. Um, Zay, you have this team playing better, and, of course, you have Mark Andrews. This team can beat you in multiple ways, and on top of that, they have the number one defense in football, and it's not close right now. They, a lot of people are still trying to. You have a lot of 
people giving the praise of the Ravens. But I, what I do think is now, yes, people are saying that the Ravens are the best team in football, but a lot of people are still not projecting them to make it far in the playoffs. Cause I think that there's still a, a residue of what we've seen multiple times in the playoffs with this Ravens team. And yeah, I, I just, I'm, I'm excited, man. And I think that this Ravens team is the best team, best Ravens team that we've seen in a while. And the level of competition this year is crazy, but I, the Ravens are good and the Ravens deserve, in my opinion, to be number one right now. So that's my top 10. What do you think about it? Who do you think I left out? Do you think that the rave? Who who was your top ten? Let me know. Leave it in the comments. We'll talk about it. Uh, do you think I'm wrong about a team? Right about a team? We'll talk about it. So let's uh, let's jump over to basketball. And with basketball, one thing that we know is it's. How do I phrase this? How do I phrase this correctly and 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 make my point? Basketball is much different than football. It's very rare that you get a Joshua Dobbs in basketball. What I mean by that is getting traded to a team in like 24 to 36 hours later leading that team and learning the cadences in game and being able to gel exactly the way that you're supposed to and ultimately win a game. That doesn't happen that much in basketball. And what I mean by that is, yes, you can win a game and things can be explosive, but things take time. You know, things take time. You have to learn for basketball you have to learn you know people's tendencies and what people like to where, where people like the ball where people th- thrive the most offensively and just how a system is going to work with stars right right now you're seeing the bucks and the clippers struggle now the clippers did just acquire james harden and the bucks obviously got damian lillard this offseason. And the Bucks did just drop what? Or Giannis did just drop 54 points in the loss. Now I don't know if Damian Lillard played, but yeah, they they lost to the Pacers. What I will say is things take time. And l- we need to give those teams time to develop and time to learn each other. And I think what's hurting those teams and what people are, what's what's really putting pressure on those teams now is the landscape of the teams around them. For instance, the Celtics have looked great. I know the Celtics did lose the other night to the 76ers, but the Celtics have looked great with Porzingis, with uh, Drew Holiday. They've looked great, like off the back. It's very rare, but they look great. Now, you're also not adding two stars. 
You're adding two really good players. Maybe at one point of his career, Christoph Porzingis was a star, but you're not adding a star. You're not adding players that were number one on their teams. And if they were a number one, I'm looking at Porzingis and the Wiz. Actually, no, because I think Kyle Kuzma was probably the number one player for, and Bradley Beal. So you're you're not adding number ones to a team. You're adding very good complementary role piece role players to the team. So it's not going to be as much of an adjustment because you still have Jason Tatum playing the way that he's playing. You still have Jalen Brown playing the way he's playing. You're just adding enhancers. You're adding Drew Holiday and his defense and his his championship moxie and his on-ball ability. You're adding Porzingis and his rebounding and his blocking and his shooting. So that much doesn't need to be changed. For the for the 76ers, yes, you give up James Harden, but you still have the reigning MVP in Joel Embiid and Tyreek's Maxi has looked great and Tobias Harris has looked good. You don't need to add. Yes, it's it's pretty much addition by subtraction, you know? You lose James Harden, but you get a slew of good complimentary pieces for a team that didn't really need another star. When we talk about the Clippers and the Bucks, let's look at the Bucks. You're adding a player that has been the number one option his entire career in in Damian Lillard. Now you're adding him to a team where he is the definitive second option, and that is to Giannis. That's going to take time. Now, yes, Damian Lillard is is almost on the same level of importance as Giannis when we talk about, you know, where they dominate on the floor, but it's going to take time. Same thing for the Clippers. People are confused that the offense has looked much worse with James Harden. Well, you're adding one of the most ISO players in NBA history in James Harden to a team that has three players that thrive with the ball in their hand already, and then Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Russell Westbrook. And for people that were trying to kill me about saying that James Harden didn't work with Russell Westbrook, we're seeing it. They have not thrived at all with both of them on the court. Mainly defensively. Now, again, I just think it's going to take time. I think one of them got to go to the bench, which sucks because I think it's going to have to be Russell Westbrook, even though Russell Westbrook has been great for the Clippers. But I do think it's going to take time. And I think when we look closer towards the end of the season, that both of those teams are going to look good. Or I'll just say better than they look now. I don't know about the Clippers. No, that's a lie. I think the both teams are going to look good. Now, I still don't I'm not going to say the Clippers are championship caliber teams or a championship caliber team, but I do think that they'll look great. So, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm recording this. I should I'm recording this on a Tuesday afternoon and I'm waiting to see uh I'm going to if it doesn't happen by the time this goes out, then so be it. But I'm waiting for 
the Michigan ruling with Jim Harbaugh. So that's why I keep looking at my phone. So I apologize if you're wondering, yo, why why is he looking at his phone? That's why. Um, there have been some pleasant surprises so far this early in the season. Um, the Warriors are one of them. Now, it's not a surprise that they're playing well. It's a surprise of how seamless Chris Paul not only has taken to coming off the bench, but how his presence off the bench has just enhanced how good the bench is. Now, Jonathan Kaminga has been much better, even though he still has bonehead situations bonehead plays at times but he has looked really good um Moses Moody has looked great Dario Saris has looked important now Chris Paul offensively has not looked good as far as scoring the ball he has not been (laughs) good at all this year but he has been the same Chris Paul as far as distributing the ball and assists he's been great the entire season uh or early in the season so I think and also think it's crazy because the Golden State Warriors has lost what I think they're six and three right now, and there has not been another player outside of Steph Curry that scored over twenty points. Now Steph Curry is killing, and he he is probably playing. This might be the best version of Steph Curry we've ever seen, and, and we're talking about a two time MVP, Steph Curry. He he is boy <laughs> them. Sand dune runs are really paying off. Steph Curry's going crazy, man. I'm also pleasantly surprised of how the Minnesota Timberwolves are playing. Now, they that happens from time to time as far as they, they get off to really good starts and they usually start to plateau between the or around the middle to end of the season. But um Anthony Edwards has played great and he has emerged as one of the top young talents. He's That's been like that for a while now, but it's clear that he is one of the top young talents in basketball. And I do like what uh, I've seen from the, the Timberwolves. I just wish some of that can be spread, some of that success and whatever can be sprinkled on the Wizards because they are one in six. Now, I know that the Wizards were going to be bad this year. I knew it. Everyone knew it, but I just didn't think they were going to be this bad defensively. Like, they are probably the worst defensive team in basketball. It's crazy. Mm. There are there have been some other surprises, obviously. Uh, like I said, with the whole taking time thing, that also has to be with the Suns. I don't think that there's been a game where Bradley Bill, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker have all played at the same time. So that's definitely going to take some time. Um, I'm I'm also very sh- I'm not shocked. I'm surprised, but not shocked of the the Grizzlies being zero and or one and six. I think right now, yo, this is this is this is it. This is why people were so upset with John Morant because they understand with John Morant they were thought of as an NBA championship caliber team. Without John Morant, they are terrible. And for the people that say, oh, well, they played better without John Morant. Okay. <laughs> okay. You see, what it, what it is is you're putting a lot of pressure on players and you're expecting them to do things that they 
aren't accustomed to doing on a nightly basis. Like having Triple J play over 30 minutes a game. He's not expect he he has never done that in an NBA. So you expect him to do that and then you're wondering why he's fouling out as much as he does. Or when you're talking about Desmond Bain who has emerged as a really good player, but now you're expecting him to play like a number 1 where going into it he was never expected to be a number 1. And for people that don't titles like that are for novices, you know being a number one option that is for you know a novice basketball fan to understand that okay usually that means that he is the best player which is the usually your number one option is the best player the difference is or the situation for the grizzlies is desmond bain is their number one option right now but he was never their number one option because you had john morant well it 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 just it throws everyone's everyone's expectations you just kick them up a notch and a lot of people aren't ready for that so that's why the Grizzlies are struggling but um yeah it's still early in the season and I'm giving everyone patience you know it's not just the top tier teams you have to give everyone patience because we have not played enough basketball for the for the team for these teams to know what these teams are yet so it is exciting and i am very i I love watching games night after night it's very interesting and of course people i know or people know that i love basketball but yeah man let's just let's just give these teams patience let's give these teams patience and enjoy what we're seeing like are the the Dallas Mavericks right now, which I predict, I don't know. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but they played incredible right now. They're one of the best teams in basketball. That could, I could obviously be wrong. I do think that Luka has been great. I think he leads the league in scoring right now. Uh, Kyrie Irving hasn't been as great, but he's been good. Derek Lively has is throwing his name as rookie of the year right now, but we'll see. Actually, no, because Victor Wimbyama is going crazy. We'll see. We'll see. Speaking of we'll see, uh, you know what the hardest thing about having to sell a product? And when you have to sell a product, you're not the person to sell it. You have to use other people to sell it. The hardest part about that is what if those people don't take it seriously? Then the product ultimately suffers. That's been the biggest issue with NBA All-Star Weekend for the last few years and why they're trying to get back to the whole East versus West thing. The NBA is a player's league. In fact, the NBA is the only league that really champions their players as much as they do because they understand that their players ultimately is the product their players is the reason why people come and spend their hard-earned money to watch them they don't come and watch the team they come and watch their players so when the players need to advertise the game when the players need to advance the game and make the game exciting i.e slam dunk contest three points shootout uh, all the all-star game it's it's lackluster because they don't care enough that was the biggest fear that I had 
about this in-season tournament. Now, I will admit that, what, week two or week three of the of the in-season tournament, I don't know what the hell is going on. I, I don't understand. It looks like right now they're only playing games on Tuesdays and Fridays. I don't get that. I don't know. I still don't understand. I, I, I don't make sense. It don't make sense to me. But what I do like is that the, the the players are taking it seriously. And the players seem like that they want to win as much as we want to see them play. I think that there's like a $500,000 prize for everyone on the team, which I think is more money than you get winning a championship. So, of course, people are going to play their all. But it's been exciting now. I will say that I absolutely hate most of the courts. You know what's funny about me? I am a very minimalistic person in a lot of things or in some things. And then I do like extravagant gestures, others or for, for other things. For example, man, I don't need their them. Some of them in season in tournament or in-game courts are just too much for me. Like the the Thunder Court. Like, dude, all that blue. I don't need that, man. Or the Bulls Court. That is all that red. Like, just give me a simple court. I do like the in-season tournament trophy emblem that is in the middle of the court. I do like that. I just don't like all them colors. I don't need that. And it, it kind of goes back to the jerseys, man. I don't need them ugly city jerseys. Now, yes, some are better than others, but I don't need all that. It, it's just too much. Now, the games have been exciting. Them courts I have made it hard to watch, in my opinion. Some, some of them. Some of them are cool. Some of them are clean. Other ones is just too much. Like I said, that Thunder's jersey. I mean, that Thunder's court that is pretty much a ripoff of the we believe Golden State Warriors jersey. I can do without the court. I can do without the Bulls court. I can do without the Toronto Raptors court. Um, I did like the. Uh, I think the Bucks court was 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 kind of clean. No, I think that was blue too. No, man, you know, let's just let's just keep the one tone color courts, bro. <laughs> but I, I will say that I do. I have enjoyed. Um, I have thoroughly enjoyed uh, the the playing tournament. It has been it has been fun to watch, and and that's ultimately been because the they're taking it seriously. The league is the players are taking it seriously, and at the end of the day, I don't care what the league is trying to push. If the players don't give it their all, then it's not going to succeed. I.e., the last few years of the All Star Game. So we'll see. Let's move forward. Again, I have been checking. We're shooting this. I'm shooting this on a Tuesday afternoon. And I I have been waiting for the verdict of Michigan to come down. It looks like that they're they're going to all the reports are saying that there could be a suspension. And I just I, I've been very vocal about this. Uh, it seems like that. It seems like the Big Ten is just against. It's not. They're not against Michigan. It's against Jim Harbaugh. 
it seems like that they just don't like Jim Harbaugh. And sign stealing, even though everyone does it, sign stealing is illegal in the in college football and or in college in general, I guess. And if you're going to punish somebody for sign stealing, even though everyone does it, it seems like they're trying from from again. I'm talking to I'm talking about this before the verdict even comes out. But it seems like they're trying desperately to make an example out of Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. Like I don't as we sit here today, I don't know, but it does look like he's going to be suspended at least a few games, but it's just like why are you trying to rush this process? And on top of that, and shouts out to uh, Desmond Howard, he said, "Yo, okay, if you're gonna, if you're going to discipline Michigan, don't you have to discipline Ohio State and other teams that gave their, I think Purdue, uh, they helped Purdue pretty much steal signs from Michigan and gave Purdue Michigan's calling and everything to help them beat Michigan." What 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 it is is it seems like they're trying to set a a bad precedent, man. Because it's just I don't what what I don't think they understand is this makes college football, especially the Big Ten, look terrible. Not because of the sign stealing, not because of of Jim Harbaugh, but because of how they're dealing with it and how they're handling it and how it seems like they're going to set a very poor precedent. Let me for, let me actually let me add. I am not a Michigan fan. I have no what I have no stake in this. I I don't I, I'm not a Jim Harbaugh fan. I'm I'm not against them, don't get me wrong, but I, I'm not this is no biasness coming out. I'm watching a program that looks like they're being punished for something that everyone does. And they're trying to be punished harshly. It's kind of like It's kind of like you ever been in class in school since we're talking about college. You ever been in class and everyone's talking? Everyone's talking, everyone's causing commotion. But the teacher singles out one person, even though everyone was talking, everyone was being disruptive. The sing the teacher singles out one person. And that one person just gets annihilated, like yelled at, skull probably gets sent to the office, get in trouble. Even though everyone was talking, that's what it kind of feels like with Michigan. I don't, I don't know what's gonna happen. Obviously, I'm recording this before the verdict comes down, but it just it just seems like they're trying to set a poor precedent against someone that did what everyone does. So we'll see. We will see. Lastly, before I go, you have the unpopular topic of the day. I talked about this before, or I talked about this early in this episode, and what I said was sports keeps going. And sports goal is to put the best product out there. 
Because at the end of the day, when you put the best product out there, you get more viewers and more more revenue, and it just it just bolsters your product. It just bolsters your leak. And there comes a time in every single basketball player or football player or athlete. It comes a time in every athlete's life where there has to be a pivot. And shouts out to Ryan Clark and and everyone at the pivot. You're seeing primarily with basketball a lot of players that aren't in the league but have the talent to be in the league. Or let me say this, aren't signed to a team but have the talent to sign to a team like a John Wall, like a DeMarcus Cousins, like I don't know, like like a Taco Falls or something. Like a Tyreek or Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Evans, I'm sorry. These players are good enough, but for one reason or another, they're not on the NBA team. Some players' careers end gracefully. Some players' career end on the mountaintop, like Ray Lewis. Last season, ended his career winning a Super Bowl. I think the same thing happened with uh, Peyton Manning. I think there's like 450 NBA players, right? And that number pretty much roughly stays around the same year after year, even though you have a draft year after year, meaning that players are just sent out of there. And there's multiple options. You have the MBL, you have the big three, you have playing overseas, like Juan Descano Anderson is playing overseas or Trey, Trey, I forgot his name, bro. But you have Kenneth Fareed. You have, what I'm saying is, for athletes, you have to know not only when that pivot is, you have to be ready and and know what you're doing with that pivot. Because I don't want to see, it's hard to see athletes trying to crawl back to something that obviously doesn't want them. Do I think that John Wall is good enough to be in the league? Yes. Do I think that DeMarcus Cousins is still good enough to be in the league? Yes. Especially when I'm not going to do that. And I'm not saying that they don't have another option. But what I'm saying is when you get to that point, always have the pivot. And what I mean mean by always have the pivot, know what you're going to do. Because trust and believe, once a a league throws you away, it's very hard to come back. And and, and I don't mean throw you away on some Martavius Bryant stuff and that he obviously had uh, substance abuse issues or whatever. And he's, he's obviously back with the Cowboys now. But and and don't. Don't be ashamed. That's another thing. Don't be ashamed if you have to go another route. Like Kimball Walker having to play overseas. I think Kimball Walker, at least offensively, is still good enough to be in the league. 
Isaiah Thomas, still good enough to be in the league offensively. John Wall. But don't, don't. Here's the thing. What One thing that I don't want to happen is people that chase what was for so long that they lose the ability to capitalize on what is. Meaning you're chasing getting back to what was, even though you're not there anymore. So why not maximize what's now? Why not go John Wall? Why not go play overseas? Now, there could be an opportunity where a team comes calling that worked for J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith went overseas and I think put up 70 off the bench and then obviously came back to the league, won a championship with the Cleveland Cavaliers and called and the Lakers. Bada bing, bada boom. But why not go and play overseas and, and maximize your talents there in hopes that you can, you know, get back to the league? What I'm saying is, man, know when you have to pivot. Don't never be the last person because never be the last person to, to 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 pivot or to know when you have to pivot. That's all I'll say about that. And there you have it. That has been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly, truly appreciate you guys. If you want a popular podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link in the description below. You know, now I think about it, I got to. I got to get me a new batch of unpopular podcast merch myself. So I'm going to do that after this episode. Um, get your unpopular podcast merch today. Whatever you need, I got you. Just click on the link below. Also, please subscribe to the YouTube. Please subscribe to wherever you're listening. It definitely means a lot to me. I'm trying to grow this podcast as much as I can. Uh, and I can't do it without you guys' help. Tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend. Subscribe if you like the content. Subscribe if you don't. Hey. Help me. <laughs> means a lot. Also, follow the socials. Again, follow Instagram, follow TikTok. I post pretty much daily now that I'm back from vacation. I'm, I'm going to be back to posting on the on the basis that I have been. So uh, follow and leave in the comments if you have issues or if you feel some type of way. Again, keep it respectful and I will I will respond. That's that's me talking. So, um, yeah, until next time. Oh, wait. <laughs> Until next time, much love.